Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the November 27th edition of the Hughes Sports Podcast. I am your host, Jake Hughes, alongside the old man. Old man, how the hell are you doing today? I am doing not bad at all. How can you be bad when you're sitting at, what is it, November 27th in Calgary and there's no snow on the ground? And it doesn't look like there's going to be any snow in the foreseeable future. So we might get into December before we get our big drop of snow here. I won't mind that. I won't mind that at all. No, not at all. But we have a whole bunch to talk about this week. And Let's I'm jump. super excited because we have on the air live with us today. He is the host of a rink wide Vancouver. He's a senior writer for the Canucks army. His name is Jeff Patterson. Jeff, welcome to the show. Hi, and I can report there's no snow on the ground here uh, in my home office either. So uh, we've all got that in common tonight. <laughs> which is not uh, which is not usual. I have lots of family from Vancouver and they constantly are calling me, giving me a hard time when it snows here. So it's it's nice that I can walk outside in a t-shirt today. Well, Jeff, again, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to jump on the show with us because... Uh... Like I was saying off the air, you have the insights that we don't have and, and the, the knowledge. Um, the, one of the first things I want to talk to you about, Jeff, is the season so far, 14-7-1 through 22 games. What has been your biggest takeaway of the season so far? The team has exceeded just about every expectation imaginable. Uh, you know, should be a 15th win. Uh, that's still, I think, tough for a lot of them to take. You know, falling to San Jose on Saturday night, and there were reasons for it with the compressed schedule and travel and everything else. But as Rick Dockett pointed out after the game, you know, those are just excuses that he wants no part of. And I like the fact that he continues to raise the bar for this uh, this group. It's been too low for far too long. And obviously the last decade has been a dark one when it comes to team success. And so to see the start that they got off to, the opening night to win against the Oilers, and then to sort of follow that up. I mean, are they as good as, they were through 16 games when they were 12-3-1. and one. No, they've uh, hit a little bit of a rut here. Uh, but, you know, they've built themselves this nice cushion. Wins in October do mean as much as wins in March and April. And so the last couple of seasons, they've been playing catch-up, and they've been in that chase pack. And it's just it's nice to see for them that they are among the teams that are pushing the pace, and, and we'll see if they can keep it up. And, you know, I can just tell you that uh, the vibe around the group, like when I think of this core group of Quinn Hughes and Elias Pettersson and Brock Besser and JT Miller and Thatcher Demko, you know, there hasn't been a lot of winning. Uh, the the bubble seems like a distant memory. And even that was such a bizarre uh, situation, playoff hockey in the summer in a neutral site with no fans in the stands. Uh, you know, I, I think all these guys are craving the opportunity to play high stakes hockey. And so the game in Colorado last week, you know, had a little bit of significance to it. They came up short there, but a good measuring stick. They get the Stanley Cup champs for the first time here on Thursday night. I think everybody's looking forward to seeing Vegas come to Vancouver. So, you know, my immediate takeaways are individually, when you look at like that one night that the three of them were leading the NHL in scoring, like, come on, uh, you know, get a screen grab of that and frame it because uh, that kind of stuff just doesn't happen. And I, I suppose on a little more micro level, just individually Quinn Hughes and, the way that he's taken on the leadership role, the captaincy, how invested he is, how he has leveled up. And, you know, he had 76 points last year. I wasn't sure that there was another level. I thought if if they could get 10 years of Quinn Hughes at that level, it would be incredible. But he has taken his game to new heights. And it's just been incredible to have a front row seat uh, night in and night out of the way that he's performing. Well, and it feels like in Vancouver, we've always seen that level of Quinn Hughes where it's like we 
like you were saying last year, we've thought that was kind of the roof of where he's hit. And this year, given the captaincy and I, and it feels like he's really taken that captaincy with a, a badge of honor and being like, all right, it's up to me to really keep pushing the team and, and keep going forward um, and, and moving forward. And do you think there was talk about that last year with him? Um, Cause there was after the Bo Horvat trade, there was a little bit more, I would say ownership from Quinn Hughes in the media when talking with you guys after the games, do you think there was kind of a, he saw a, not a leadership vacuum, but a spot for him to be able to stand up and make those decisions? Yeah. I mean, I think there were a couple of answers to that question. You think back to the night in Tampa where Patrick Johnson of the province asked Quinn Hughes about Tanner Pearson and his hand injury. And, you know, it was unvarnished. It was blunt. You don't hear guys sort of calling out the man very often, but you know, he, took the organization to task. And I think a lot of people thought, wow, like, you know, that takes some stones and he's not the biggest guy in the world, but you know, I think he gained, he'd already had a lot of respect as a player, but I think we're still forming opinions about this guy in that role as a leader. And then when they made the coaching change, and as you said, uh, days later, the Horvat trade, you know, at that point they put A's on both Quinn Hughes and Elias Pedersen. And from day one on the ground, Rick Tockett has talked about his leadership group and, you know, the two-way communication between the coaches and that leadership group and giving that leadership group uh, a little bit of license and some leeway to, you know, speak up and voice their opinions and all those types of things. And then the final home game last year where they hand the microphone to Quinn Hughes to address the fans after the game again, uh, caught, I think, some people off guard, but he showed that he was more than capable of doing those types of things. So, you know, leads by example on the ice, but I think was still finding his voice last year. But I do think that that opened some eyes to, hey, like maybe this guy is the guy to be the captain of this hockey club. And then, you know, when you said you thought maybe he had reached his ceiling, I, I think we all thought, all right, he's so talented. He has the puck on his stick. He plays so much. He's got to be able to score a few more goals. Like, And whether he scores 10 or 12, like that's not a huge difference, obviously. But he should be a double-digit guy, just the role he plays, the power play, everything else. And I think he took that to heart. And it looked like he's worked on his release. And, you know, you just see how much he's shooting the puck. 16 attempts the other night in San Jose. Plays 30 minutes. I talk about that stretch of the schedule. 10 games and 17 nights. He played 12 minutes in the third period. 30 minutes on the night and has 16 shot attempts at the tail end of that stretch. And I just thought, like, that's a guy that's invested uh, there were some others that didn't perform as well against the Sharks. And if they had a few more that played a little more like Quinn, you know, maybe they scraped by and, and even when they didn't have their best, still find a way to get a result out of the tank the other night, but it wasn't for lack of trying from Quinn Hughes. So yeah, he's been all world. Uh, you know, I, and I think he recognizes now that he's getting the recognition that he has deserved for the last couple of seasons for too long. He had been painted with a brush of, Oh, he had that one bad season in the all Canadian division, uh, you know, he can't defend. Well, he's showing that, yeah, he can defend. And the best defense for him is spend the entire night in the offensive zone and have the puck on your stick all night. Well, yeah, and it feels like watching him, he was challenged that year from the organization, from media, and I'm assuming from other players being like, well, yeah, he had he's he's not defensive. He's an offensive defenseman. He went came back the next year and was like, no, I'm focusing on defense. Then this next year, the talk was, okay, he's a defensive superstar, but offensively he can improve. And he came back and worked on, clearly worked on his shot and on his release and, and has really made a difference. And it's really nice to see a player like that who hears everything, I guess, and, and makes a, an effort to make those, 
strides in his game. And it takes, to me, it's the difference between a, a star player and a superstar player. Yeah. And I mean, look, he was born into it. Uh, you just think of the family and the, uh, the bloodlines. And I think that there's internal family competition. Like I do think he and Jack drive each other and Luke's now in the league as well. And, you know, so the three of them, you, you've seen all the videos of them in the off season and, you know, they're, whether it's playing basketball or, you know, in their basement, they've got a hockey room set up for a, a shooting gallery and stuff. Like, I think internally they want to be the best of that bunch. And then that carries over to uh, the broader, you know, concept or, or context of the league. And and I think they recognize they've got the skills and now they're, you're seeing it as they have, like, Jack is incredible to watch. He's one of my favorite players to watch as a forward. And then you've got Quinn doing the things that he does and, and Luke certainly uh, looks like he's well on his way to becoming, you know, a, a star in this league as well. So, uh, you know, if you're Quinn Hughes, yeah, the knock always was, how can he defend at, at his size? And he's shown, like, he's not going to run you through the boards. That's not who he is, but no. he's got this incredible hockey IQ. He knows how to use the gifts that he's got, whether it is the body position, whether it's the stick, whether it's, you know, anticipation and just trying to be one step ahead of other guys. And, you know, that's, I think, allowed him, you know, I, I think all smaller guys come into this league with a little bit of a chip on their shoulder that they do have to go that extra mile. And certainly he has gone the extra mile and then some, and it's just going to be a blast to see ultimately where he can top out. Uh, I mean, he's already done incredible things, rewriting the Canucks record book over and over and over. And he's well on his way to doing it again this season. And, you know, I do hope that we get a chance here sooner rather than later to see him perform in the playoffs because that one occasion in the bubble, he was basically a point of game guy. Elias Patterson had success in the bubble. You know, JT Miller performed well. Thatcher Demko became bubble Demko. Like, you know, I, I want to see more of these guys in the playoffs. And it's just, it hasn't happened enough, but certainly they've set themselves up now to get back to the postseason. Uh, you know, there's still a long runway ahead of them here, but uh, they've positioned themselves well through the first couple of months of the season. And, you can almost smell the playoffs uh, here in Vancouver, <laughs> but they're not quite there yet. As a as a fan that goes back to literally 1970, watching the very first game, um, when you talk about the lack of playoffs, I'm like, oh, I just want to see them. Just go a couple, just a couple rounds would make this old guy happy. Yeah. Um, do they need to make any changes going uh, probably before Christmas, say maybe early near New Year to make that happen? Yeah. I mean, there just isn't much of a trade market before Christmas. And so as much as they may, you know, be kicking some tires, it takes two obviously to, to pull off a trade. Now, if you look at Jim Rutherford's history over his time running hockey organizations, he's always been a guy that's tried to get out in front of the market to get the players that he tries to identify his targets and make those trades before everybody's shopping at deadline prices and the prices go through the roof. And so I'm well, curious yeah. to see if that trend continues. Like I think back when he was running Carolina way back when, uh, you know, they won the Stanley cup in 2006. And I think Doug Waite was their big acquisition that oh. happened in January. I think they added Mark Recchi closer to the deadline, but they went out, they, Doug Waite, they wanted they went and they made that trade happen and sort of set the tone and maybe set the market rather than reacting to it so uh, I think you're going to see that you know they've done well with the players that they've got obviously Carson Soucy out for a while there was already questions about you know do they have to back up or beef up their, their blue line I'll tell you this I went to practice today they gave Quinn Hughes and Philip Peronick the day off uh, just because they've been playing so much and 
Uh, that is a scary sight when you look at the Vancouver Canucks at practice with no Hughes and no Horonic, and you, you see what's like beneath them on the depth chart out in front of you. Um, so, yes, you know, like I think Ian Cole's been a nice acquisition. I think when they're healthy, like Tyler Myers and Carson Soucy as a third pair had sort of found their level and were playing well. And, and I was okay with both of those guys in a third pairing role, but it then meant that Ian Cole and whoever he was playing with essentially were the second pair. And so, you know, is there room for an upgrade? Yeah, there's been a lot of talk about the right side of the defense. Ethan Bear is out there on the market, skating in Kelowna, getting closer because he wants to be back by the end of December. You know, is he the answer? He might be. It would be pretty seamless, you would think, for a guy that knows those teammates, knows the organization, knows the coaching staff as well. Uh, but he may have other options. He may have better offers. So we'll have to wait and see there. That said, I think if this hockey club continues, if the players hold up their end of the bargain, then they're going to put management in a position where – it's going to have to do whatever it takes to try to give these guys a legitimate shot. Are they cup contenders? I still think there's a few too many holes here, but when you look at the star power, when it's at the top of its game, like it was in that first month of the season, you know, you dare to dream about what they might be able to do uh, once they get to the playoffs. Sorry. I'm just, I'm just thinking like a, a deep playoff run again. Do uh 2011, 2011 was just so much fun, and oh. I just want the players to be able to have that in-person experience or fans' experience because a lot of these players haven't played playoff hockey with fans in attendance because the last time was the COVID bubble, and and for for the players, I'm sure that's got to be a huge a huge thing to to put under their belt as well. Yeah, like think about it. You're, uh, you know, you've made it to the NHL. You're playing on the highest stage possible, but then there's this whole nother level that is the Stanley Cup playoffs and that bubble experience. While there was some intensity in the games, you know, part of the playoffs is going into rival teams' buildings and just shoving it to them and their fans, and fans getting on you, and you know, like that's adversity, but it also can fuel you and. And that was all missing. And so, again, Hughes and Pedersen and Besser and Demko, they don't have any sort of baseline. You know, I'm sure they've all played playoff hockey at other levels, but not the Stanley Cup playoffs and not with full buildings and the intensity and the stakes getting higher the deeper you go and all the, you know, overtime, double overtime, all the things that come along with playoff hockey. And so, you know, I, I'm like you, I kind of, catch myself at times daydreaming a little bit because <laughs> there's still 60 games to go. It's a, a long way, but uh, man, it, I mean, there hasn't been a playoff game at Rogers arena in Vancouver since the spring of 2015. Bo Horvat's rookie season. Wow. Like that, it, yeah. It's just, I mean, I've, I've been there every step of the way. <laughs> I, I know the reasons for it, but I still find myself sometimes just shaking my head thinking like a decade without a playoff home date, like, come yeah. on. It, the fans here, are, are it's so overdue. So, I mean, we talk about it from a player perspective, but from the fans too. I mean, that's the payoff to having good teams is, you know, you get to see them compete ultimately uh, in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Now, you're at every game and you mentioned the fans. I mean, going back to, you mentioned it, 2011, when they went for the long run and how exciting it was for the fans. Are you feeling that excitement come back to the arena again? 
A hundred percent. And nice. I'll take you back to November the 4th, the, the Dallas game. Canucks had come off that 10-1 win against San Jose. They had run their record to 7-2-1 and one at that point. Dallas was the visitor. They were 7-1-1. One, and one. It was a Saturday night, hockey night in Canada. And sure, it was not even a month into the season, but there was that crackle in the building. Like, I think people recognized that this was an early season sort of heavyweight showdown. And it's just something that's been missing in this market for far too long, even opening night against the Oilers. I mean, you got the Oilers, it's McDavid, you know, opening night's always special. Now, we didn't know the sort of divergent paths that the two teams ultimately would go on for the first six weeks of the season. It was just opening night, and it was the Edmonton Oilers in town, and there was some buzz then, but then you get a month further, and the Canucks are off to this incredible start, and all these players are having individual starts, and yeah, like there was some heft to that game against Dallas. It was a measuring stick game. Uh, you know, the Canucks win 2 nothing. They shut out the Dallas Stars. Uh, and throughout that night, just some real energy in the building. Uh, you know, the Oilers were back again. The Canucks beat them then. Uh, there have been a few others, but as I said Vegas coming in on Thursday. Like, I would imagine that you're going to feel that uh, on Thursday night. And, and, like, these are early season. Like, you have to imagine that there will be bigger and more meaningful games down the way. But already, I'm starting to sense that, yeah, the, a little bit of buzz back in the building. And it's uh, it's been great to see. That's fun. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. It, it makes watching the games, even on TV, because <clears throat> can't watch them live uh, in Calgary all that much. There's only a couple games. There's one on Saturday, but um, it just makes it more fun. Like you, when you can hear the crowd get into it and you, there is that sparkle, you get into it as a fan watching. So it's uh, it's a lot of fun. Um, old man, do you have anything else for Jeff? I don't want to keep you too long, Jeff, on your just uh, the last question, just because Jake and I always do our picks for the week. Uh, we have three games this week, the Ducks, the Knights, and the Flames. How many are we going to win? What's the record going to be for this week? They should be able to take care of the Ducks. Ducks, I think, have uh, fallen back down to earth after a nice start. And, uh, you know, they've got some good young talent, although Trevor Zegers not around I uh, got lit up by the Edmonton Oilers, so they're going to be in a foul mood, pun intended, uh, when they arrive here. But they're still the Ducks, and I think the Canucks coming off the loss in San Jose uh, had a good practice. We're talking like the energy that he saw at practice, and we'll see if that carries over. So I I'm going to spot the Canucks one to start, you know, and then Vegas. For Vegas, I mean, they got off to an incredible start, and so often we see with Stanley Cup champs, you know, there's that little bit of the. the short summer, the hangover, if you will. Uh, there was none of that. I mean, they were 11 and 0, I think out of the gates. Yeah. They've spent most of the month of November out on the road. And when they get to Vancouver here, they're in Calgary and Edmonton before they get to Vancouver. Uh, the game in Vancouver will be their eighth road game out of nine. So, you know, it's been a tough month for them. We'll see what they have left. I'm sure the Canucks absolutely will look at that as a game that they want to measure themselves against the champs. The champs get that every night, right? They see the yes. best from just about everybody. You know, so it's going to be a tough game, but uh, you know, I, I won't rule the Canucks out. You have Thatcher Demko playing the way that he is. And then back into Calgary, and we saw what happened the last time they were there, although, again, there were some reasons. Uh, that was the end of a five-game and eight-night stretch with a bunch of travel, and the Canucks just didn't have their best, and they went with Casey DeSmith that night. So I'm sure the Canucks will remember that and want to you know, show the Flames that uh, this start isn't any sort of mirage. I, I, you know, I, I don't have a crystal ball, but I would say – uh, there's certainly, if they can get win two, you know, if they can win two out of three, then I think you call that a pretty good week, especially yeah. the fact that they've lost four of their last six. Um, yeah. So, you know, we won't, we, 
<laughs> I won't expect them to run the table every <laughs> week, uh, but I, I can see realistically them getting four of the six points that are up for grabs here this week. If we could do that every week, we'd have big smiles on our faces. Yeah, two wins out of every three would get them where they want to go without <laughs> a question. That Excellent. Thank up. you. Thank you so much, much Jeff. Like I said, it, it means a lot for you to jump on the show. If you do want to listen to Jeff Patterson, he is a the host of Rinkwide Vancouver. He also writes for Canucks Army as well as you can see behind him. There is a regular contributor on Sakaris and Price. And uh, follow him at Patterson Jeff on X or Twitter, whatever you want to call it. Um, he's always out there dropping news, giving uh, updates from practice. And uh, a lot of my news is source comes from you, Jeff. So I appreciate it. Well, it's fun, guys. Uh, keep doing what you guys do. I think it's uh, terrific that uh, fans have uh, the level of investment and, and you know, just the, the buy-in. And, and as I said, I, yeah, I know you guys aren't alone that uh, the hardcores are always going to be there. But I, I really do sense that, you know, casual fans are sort of wading back into the mix. Oh, here yeah. And, and we'll see if uh, they get the payoff that they're looking for at season's end. But uh, fun talking to you guys and uh, happy to, to join you. Thanks, awesome. Jeff. Thank so much, really Jeff. appreciate it. All right, guys. Thanks. Perfect. Again, that was Jeff Patterson, host of Rinkwide Vancouver, senior writer for Connects Army, and on Twitter at Patterson Jeff. Um, what a great chat. Uh, again, I was appreciate awesome. all the time because the insights Jeff has is just fantastically deep in comparison to what we get oh, for uh, sure, out here eh? in, in Calgary. So. Yes, it was good. I really uh, his the knowledge that he has because he's with the team every day, like day in and day out. Even though he might not be traveling with the team anymore, he's still in constant contact with the players and the coaches and the management. And it's awesome that uh, these guys take it. Just ugh, I get goosebumps when uh, these guys take time um, to come on a show like ours. We don't have a huge base, but they're helping us build that. And I think it's really, really cool. So thanks again, Jeff. And again, if you are listening uh, live right now on YouTube, hit that little like button, hit the subscribe button. Um, I didn't tell the old man this, but we had a semi-viral short um, go out this week. Um, so if you are tuning in from the short, thank you. Welcome. Um, we're going to be hopefully putting out a lot more of that short form content uh, coming forward because uh it's a lot of fun and we got a new program to do it with and it's a lot of fun it is it really is, it is. um hold it how that the time out don't you try to just jump ahead all right all What's right this short i was never told about a short i was never I, told about a short i was never told it went viral you just keep me in the dark i feel like a giant mushroom that's that's what i do keep <laughs> me in the dark and feed you what, what was the short about um i think it was the conversation with um, uh, Darren last week about the Pacific's time zone is the best time zone to watch sports. Oh, very because cool. Because you're because you're able to watch the early game, the late game, and then still go out and grab a drink. Oh, I'll have to send that off to Mister Darren Dupont. Yes, he'll be excited to hear that. Yes, and if you guys did want to see all of those shorts, you can hit the little bell when you hit the subscribe subscribe button. You'll never miss a video. You can also go to our page on YouTube as well as on TikTok and Facebook at HSP underscore pod everywhere and uh, check us out there because uh, that's where we post things. Um, cool. Let's talk about the Canucks a little bit more here because yeah. the beloved CFL is kind of shut down for the next couple weeks until 
free agency. I believe that's not till January or February is when free agency opens. That is correct. So we will bring you news when there is news from the CFL. And there is one thing I want to talk about the CFL um, later in the show. But sure, I, I just had to go to YouTube, of course, and see that is a little bit viral for us. That's fucking for us. It's huge. You guys are freaking um, amazing. The the Canucks, something we didn't get into because I didn't want to derail the conversation with Jeff because I uh, we were on such a such a great wavelength is Kuzminko being benched back to back games. Oh, we didn't get into that. I would have loved to hear no. his thoughts on that. Um, I do know you can hear his thoughts on it. He, they did talk about it. Um, oh, I'm sure. I believe on yesterday. I'm, my brain is not working yesterday's. Or no, today's Sakaris and Price. I believe it was talked about. Was it? Um, with him. But what are your thoughts? So well, the have been... because that when he was first benched, I thought it went back to him um, taking that puck in the face. Um. And nobody really talked about, at least I didn't hear a whole lot about that injury. Uh, he was off he, for a game and then he came back. He was, uh, apparently after that injury, he took the puck, to, uh, a wicked one-timer from JT Miller to the face, didn't lose any teeth. Oh. Was smiling with the guys back after at the end of the game. Yeah. And the reason he was held out of the game was because they wanted to uh, check for head injuries for concussions. Oh, okay. So um, that's the only reason and flying when you have a concussion is really bad for you. So they, they were flying out like the next day and they didn't want him to fly. So just a double check. But everything else has been perfectly fine. What really stood out to me in this, uh, him sitting out is the fact that uh, Talkett said he skated with Kuzmenko privately and they worked on things. Now, I've seen this two or three times during the season um, where um, you'll see a little short on YouTube or on Facebook or on Twitter or X or whatever you want to call it. And um, you've got talk it out there at the end of the practice, the beginning of the practice, one-on-one -on -one with a, a particular player and they're working on one skill. And I was like, I don't know if other coaches do that. Now they might, and I've never noticed it before. I think the big thing is that, is that talk it, and it's something I'd love to talk about with Jeff Patterson another time that if he uh, is able to come on the show is he's very open and honest about things, especially to the media um, and isn't afraid to go out there. He, he's not going to take someone into a private area to, to teach him something. He's going to yeah. do it on the ice right away because he, it, it, I, and I think it goes back to him being a player and that's how he wanted, like that's how he learned how to do things. So to him, it's just like, yeah, like he, he's won a Stanley cup. He's won two, one as a player, two as a coach. He knows what he's doing. Well, yeah, exactly. Right. But it's not just that. It's also the way Tockett and the coaching staff talk about things with players. Like when Hoaglander um, was dealing with some stuff and they asked uh, media, I can't remember who it was in the media, asked Tockett about it. And Tockett was like, yeah, like he's meeting with the Sedins every day to watch film and get advice. And then, and then implement that stuff in practice. Yeah. Right. And it's like, it's little things like that where you have the Sedins, you have Adam Foote, you have Rick Tockett go through and say, this is what you're doing wrong. And it's not, oh, I just know better because I'm the coach. I'm saying this because this is how you win a cup. And I've been there and I've done that. Exactly. Right. And I, I'm sure these guys, 
they're probably too young to even remember Rick Tockett playing. I don't but, re- remember Rick Tockett playing. <laughs> right. I was going to say, I was going to say they probably remember him playing, but I'm like, probably not. But they know who he is. They know yeah. that this guy isn't just a coach. No, exactly. Right. So. But so, I mean, I the reason it's he's been. really depend on what happens when Kuzmeko comes back now. He, he will be back in the lineup tomorrow as yeah. per Rick Tockett. Um, through 19 games, 14 points. Um, <laughs> in comparison last year, 74 points in 81 games in his, in his rookie season in the NHL. Yeah. Um, obviously Tockett saw something he wasn't happy with and we all know Tockett's not going to play nice. <laughs> well, and the big thing, I mean, and, and it, Something that we've talked about. Oh, the Canucks are in a bit of a slide. Yeah, bit of a slide. In the last 10 games, we've gone 5-5. Five and five. We've gone 500 through this bit of a slide. Which sure, last year, last if we year. could play 500, we were jumping up and down. But that's the difference, is that whether it be Talkit, management, the players, they've now set the bar that we're a playoff team and we're not just a playoff team. We're going into compete. Exactly. And they're following it up by the actions, right? So, um the it'll be interesting to see what the difference is with Kuzmenko coming into the game next uh next day uh tomorrow next game it it oh yeah i'm looking forward to it actually i'm more looking forward to that um stop laughing i'm more looking forward to the vegas game i think the vegas game is going to be one of those games where I'm going to be prepping all day for the Vegas game because I'm going to have to like sit back and really take it easy for the day so I can actually enjoy the game. Well, for those who don't know, um, those who don't know, the old man deals with long COVID. So when he says he needs to relax, it's literally not like he needs to zen. and, and do, Literally, I've seen him at a, in a game, watching a game, like go to yell or something. Cause again, we are irrational fans. We are diehards and literally he'll go <gasps> just reacting to the game. It's, I mean, I've always been passionate about hockey. I've always been passionate about um, football, right? Um, it takes it to a new level when you're literally risking your life watching. And I laugh when I say it because it's really not funny. But people have always said, you're going to give yourself an effing heart attack during a freaking game. Do you remember Do you remember yeah. the, the, the time I'm going to talk about? Literally, I don't remember what year it was. 2009 or 2010 because I was in my apartment. And literally after the game... I think it was like a last second play overtime in a football game. It was football. And yep. it was definitely football. And we literally had to take him to the emergency because he, we thought he gave himself a heart attack watching oh. the game. Literally went to the heart, went to the emergency. And that was long before COVID. So now <laughs> with, with COVID, what's COVID's done is damaged my lungs. So I, I don't breathe as well. So yes, D I will rest up before the game. And yes, I'll try to keep breathing. It's a promise. apparently it's vital to living who knew um off the rails once again (laughs) this always happens um 
Before we jump into the last couple things I want to talk about, unless you've got more connects things to talk about, because um, there was something else I wanted to bring up. But I, that's not Canucks related. That's NHL related. No, no. It was something about okay. Canucks, but carry on. Um, Predictions for this year or for this year, for this week. For this week, I'm going to Last agree week. with the expert, <laughs> which I had already looked at it before. And I could see two and one. I could see two oh and one. I could I see can a also loss see... in overtime against Vegas. I can also see one zero and two, two overtime losses uh, with the Flames and the Golden. Knights. I could also see one and two. Um, yep, very easily. Right? So I'm going to go with the two and one and hope for the best. I'd love to see us go three and zero. Oh. To me, the to me the biggest game is going to be tomorrow's game against the Ducks. Bounce back because we need we need to show bounce back and that's sorry that's where I didn't get to the point with Kuzmenko. We played in Saturday. We played in Seattle on Friday. Yeah. Flew down to San Jose for our for the Saturday game. It was very shocking to me that Kuzmenko didn't get in that second game just because he was fresh legs. Well, yeah. Um, and obviously it was something I'm sure they discussed before that, before the game. I'm like, I give a lot of respect to these coaches that they, they are great at what they do but to me that's the one thing this year that i look at the coaching staff and i question am i was it really the the smartest idea to do that and not get someone who's fresh and maybe ready to to prove himself in a game where everyone's going to be tired and that extra little spark might have been the difference yeah um but in the predictions wise yeah i think if we can get two out of the six points or sorry, if we can get three out of six points, I think that's a success. Huge. If we can go one, one, and one, or one, oh, and two, like anything, three points and above is is a, a bona fide success. Yeah, two points and below is a bona fide failure. Yeah. Then we, I wouldn't then say we failure, have to kind of go, uh oh. And I really love the, the, the talk there with, from uh, Jeff about bear because to me that's would probably be the easiest solution right now and i wanted to i should i was as he was talking i was like do we have like the cap room like where would he fit in cap wise we would have would we have to obviously send someone down yeah we'd have to send someone down probably a noah Juleson or someone like that but, but i don't know making them league minimum but it depends on what bear is going to sign for because you could, in theory, I believe, and again, because it's an in-season contract, I know there's a lot of different rules and regulations and how the cap is calculated. Is a, It's a daily cap. It's not like how we always look at it, that it's $82.5 million. It's $82.5 million over X days. So oh, eight, your salary yeah, yeah. cap is actually done per day in the season. I see what you're saying, yeah. So when you sign a player to a contract mid-season, it might be a $1.85 million contract, but the cap hit is only going to be X because there's only so many days left. Right. I got what you're saying. Yeah. And there's so many different things you could do there, but you could also make it a very bonus loaded contract where if you have the cap space, you can pay out the bonuses on this year. And then as much as I hate to say it, because we just keep kind of pushing things down river for future years is... You've got 
a few extra thousand, hundred thousand dollars in in cap space or cap hit from those bonuses. Yeah, exactly. So exactly. lots of different ways you could go with that. Yeah. Um, staying within hockey. It's something you brought up and something I was looking into as well because uh, some insanity, but the just inconsistencies within the Department of Player Safety, DPOS, uh, between what's a fine, what's a suspension, what's a match game penalty, because there, I believe it was, was it, who was it? I have no idea. Um, the slash. The two-handed whack-a-smack. He was playing whack-a-mole with that guy's head, Jake. <laughs> it was... It was like, um, you talk about intent to injure. Holy crack and doodles. Yeah, it was uh, Jacob Truba. Yeah, so he gets he gets a $5,000 fine. and Which is the maximum allowable under the CBA. So, But he didn't get any games. And it was a two-handed... If you haven't seen it, go on. You can find it. Just search Truba slash. Two-handed across baseball swing across the face. Like right here. Right across the side of and the head. he gets a $5,000 fine. And then we look at the, I don't know which Canuck player it was. You got to refresh my memory that slew footed Ho- that. Um, Hoaglander. Hoaglander slew footed. It was a slew foot. Yeah, somewhat. It wasn't like he intended to freaking drive him through the ice. He just took his feet out from under him. Dirty play. But he also gets a fine. And really, whether it's a two thousand dollar fine or a five thousand dollar fine, it's pennies in the bucket. Like ten and twenty bucks to you and me. A hundred. It's going to be like this is stupid. and I hate paying it, but I'm I'm going to pay it. How can you justify that both both of those acts deserve a fine and no game suspension? Yeah. Because I don't know what will uh, require a game. Sus- any game suspension anymore if that two-handed whack across the side of the head doesn't come out with at least two to four games it's fucking ridiculous yeah it, 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 i i watched it and i was like oh he's gone for a few games minimum and then two days ago so that would have been uh saturday nope five thousand dollar fine Smoke and another one, take another edible, drink another drink, because holy crap, the NHL's in freaking disarray of, as far as the DPOS goes. But the problem is, is it's always been that way. It's been inconsistent, and they look at things that don't matter to the situation to, to, to generate things. Let's go back and look at Albert's hit in the 2011 playoffs. They, they, they suspended him based off of the injury, which by the way, let's get started on that. They suspended him due to the injury that Horton took. And two days later, the guy was spinning around a giant flag. If you have that serious concussion of that degree that they were claiming, you're not swiveling your head back and forth like that in front of a flashing audience. I'm yeah, sorry. It's, it's not the case. Yes. Exactly. This is a 12 year old gripe. I'm still holding on to. There's Jake, kids. Jake, there are there are Jake, kids. There are kids Jake, on YouTube right now watching Jake. us who have no clue what I'm talking about. Jake, but this let has been go. the issue with let it go, this has Jake. been the issue with DPOS ever since it's been it's been brought into so, the public. The million dollar question. Are you ever gonna let that go? No, that wasn't the million dollar question. What do they do to fix it? You start the, the new C the next CBA is going to have to have a harsher wording on different 
um, penalties and, and um, fines. Because again, a $5,000 fine to someone making $8 million, who cares? Yeah. It's like I say, it's a 10 and a $20 fine to you and me. Right. Maybe a hundred dollars. And if you're going to go big into this, um, higher safety matters and, and we're like concussion protocols and all of this stuff, then it starts with the department of player safety department of player safety. Yeah. It doesn't make, it doesn't make sense. Never will. Um, I, I don't know the answer, how you fix it, but something's got to be done because a guy getting a two-handed whack-a-mack across the head um, deserves more than a $5,000 fine in this old man's view. I don't disagree. It's and a, that's the bottom line. Um, oh, you're sorry. not stunk cold. Please do not do gimmick infringement on this podcast. Um, the other thing I want to talk about in the worlds of... In the world of I love that you CFL. can read my mind when I make a face. In the world of the CFL. It's almost like I grew up with you or something. In the world of the CFL, um, there was news last week. Um, the Edmonton Eskimos had their yeah. yearly uh, investors call. I don't know what they call it, but basically State of the Union to a, a team that's owned by the public. And very, 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 very guided messages that they're going to look at private ownership for the Edmonton Elks. For, from what I am seeing and reading and watching and uh, hearing more so hearing from the grapevines, 2025 will by this 2025 season, Edmonton will be a privately owned um, entity. Edmonton Elks will be a privately owned entity compared to the community thing, which to be honest, I don't think is a bad thing. Um, tough decisions are going to have to be made in Edmonton very soon. That can well, they there was, continue playing in, in the Commonwealth stadium? I there was a know. lot of talk about that coming out of the call is that not only was there talk of privatizing the, uh, like pri bringing in private ownership, but also needing a new stadium. Wouldn't it be something? Wouldn't it be something? You and I went to the Commonwealth um, for the Grey Cup, as we mentioned in this program earlier in 2018, and we were both blown away by it because we were like, "This, we don't, we can go to the bathroom. We don't have to stand in like 35,000 people deep, and we can actually go to the bathroom, come back, get a beer, and be in our seats during a halftime performance. <sighs> pretty, pre pretty amazing." Um, wouldn't it be something in Alberta if Edmonton comes out, gets new private ownership, who says, we're going to build you a new arena, a new stadium? You think they're going to ask for the public for money? Hmm. <laughs> it, it wouldn't. It's going to be, I am keeping my eyes peeled. Um, it's going to be an interesting offseason just for the CFL all the way around, just because of all the free agency, free agents and the movement that's going to happen as it happens every year. I think this year it's going to be, might be more, but um, it's going to be exciting for us um, as BC Lions fans, because of course we have the, uh, of course the Grey Cup at NBC this year, but it's going to be neat to see what happens in Saskatchewan. I I hear they've uh, narrowed it down to two coach 
two coaching decisions. Well, I was reading just before we jumped on here that the Hamilton Tiger Cats uh, offensive coordinator who was um, in the running is staying with Hamilton. Yes. So there's a guy out of Toronto and I can't think of his name. Don't, don't I'm, worry, I'm really, I, don't I apologize to him because I had his name before I came on air. And they had our favorite joke Buck? ever. <laughs> Shut up, Buck. <laughs> Buck Pierce, as could be the new coach. Apparently I don't, one of the front runners. Look I don't blame him. Winnipeg. I, I don't blame him at all. Give him a shot, right? Like you need new blood in um you need new blood in the coaching pool constantly. And look at what, again, don't get me wrong. I'm sure Mike O'Shea has, has done a lot of what's made Buck Pierce successful, but Buck Pierce as the offensive coordinator still has a huge hand in oh, making yeah. that team successful. And speaking of Winnipeg, uh, Brady Oliveira, free agent. And I don't know if you've seen the rumblings that I've been seeing, but... There are rumblings on the Twitter sphere in, in different circles and different people oh, let's, that let's let's come on. You can't just give out this information without saying Smurf Mafia. We need you to all sit down. Well, I can take, I can give it out. Nice there's, 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 this is not breaking. This isn't breaking news. This is just purely rumor and innuendo. But, but that <laughs> they cannot keep Brady Oliveira. They can't. The, the The salary cap is too low for them to be able to keep him, and he's going to be demanding a lot of money as he should. He has been the best running back in the league for the last three years. Hands down. What team needs a running back? And a team that might really want to make a push for a gray cup for some reason or another. I'm not sure. It's got a, it's got a pretty good quarterback. Who's got some great receivers, an O-line that could use a little bit of improvement, but yeah. a running game that was non-existent this year. Huh. huh. BC. I would, nothing would make me happier in the off season for me to be able to go back to all my Smurf mafia haters and lovers and tell them, Oh, pumpkin, did we take him from you? It would just make me happy. Well, and he's talked about it because he, he is Winnipe Winnipegian, Winnipe Winnipegite. Winna he's from Manitoba. And he's from Winnipeg is what I'm trying to say. So it's always like, what the f are you trying what, to say? Are they Winnipegian? Win Winnipeggers? Winna Winnipeggers, aren't they? Um, Google machine will tell Google, me. Google machine. Um, but he's still so young. He's yeah. played for his hometown. He, he he like he's only twenty six years old. Yeah. If you're the Lions, you best be taking him out. If you're from Winnipeg, and showing him the fact that uh, Vancouver is a much much nicer city than Winnipeg. <laughs> Look, there's a reason the mafia are all over Canada. No one wants to stay in Winnipeg. So they are called Winnipeggers. All right, then. <laughs> the Google machine answered. There we go. Um, what's, your mom, what's your mom going on about? Something about I wonder where Jake learned that from. I don't know. She's don't... always behind us. I, I don't know if what, she, what she's referring to, so we'll uh, leave it at that. That's fair. Um, any other CFL news? I haven't... I've been out of the I'm loop. Really with the hoping, I'm really, really hoping the CFL takes a look at their operations cap. 
um, going into this next season. Um, it's probably one of the worst put together, worst conceived. I get the idea, idea the CFL has ever had. No, no, that's let's calm down now. Let's calm. There's been a lot of terrible ideas the CFL has had, but <laughs> let's let's breathe here for a second. But it, I like the the idea. There is smart. The implementation of the idea has been broken. Uh, yeah. Well, when you can't fire a coach because of your operations cap, there's an issue. Yeah. Yep. Hundred. The, the, you. The only reason Chris Jones is still in Edmonton. Yep. Yeah. So, no, there's going to, I think there's going to be a lot of discussion around the CFL this off season. And I hope the, the big thing I hope is that this season had a lot of bright spots, a lot of attention. And I hope they continue building that. Um, by not just going silence in the off season. What if, what happened there? You you just went you, quiet for a second. No, you completely froze on my end. Oh, did you? Did I? Oops. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I hope the I hope they keep the momentum going. The they don't just go quiet in the off season like they normally do, and they build to twenty twenty four rather than just oh, and the season starting now. Well, first off, they've got to get their almost swore again. That would have been two for tonight. Um, good thing I signed that house over to Amanda back in 2004. No, 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 no. Ooh, yeah, it was, was we were in the it was 2004. I was thinking, good. Yep. Um, they gotta get the um, people are like, what are they talking about now? Um, they've got to figure out their stats. Um, it's embarrassing. Uh, for a league of our stature, I'll say. Um, it's been around for 100 and blank years. 110. This was the 110th breakup. To have their stats non-existent. It's, it, there's, it's, you have no, there's no excuse. It's inconceivable. So that's number one. Get it fixed, people. It's not hard. If every other app out there, sports app out there can put your stats up, I think you should be able to figure out how to do it. I'm just saying. Second. And they're going to blame, they're going to blame the company that they hired and the company that they hired is going to blame the CFL. Yes. I don't care who you blame, just fix it. Second thing they have to do. For the love of all things football put the Atlantic football team to bed. Either yes or no. If well, I have done. to hear one more year of this garbage, I've been listening to it for 50 plus years, Jake. This now, is the new. Now the last little bits, um, the last little bits, there's been more talk about Quebec city than. Yeah, there has been Atlantic Canada. Yeah, as in not... as in ownership groups came to Randy Ambrosi and the CFL, not the other way around. So. Yeah, and you know what, Quebec City could easily, easily support a team. Why not get two? 
Why not do two an expansion? No, of two no, teams? no. If you, no, you need to no, you need to do an odd number of teams. You need to do an odd number of teams, whether that's one or three. You need to have a balanced goddamn East and West. It's not bloody rocket science. But then you put two in, yeah, let's put two in the east. Oh, okay, that's great. Let's freaking unbalance it and uh. No. Oh, that was the other news that came out since we talked last. I knew there was Sorry. something else. Sorry, about let's the finish CFL. this. Let's finish this thought here first. Okay. So point two for you in the CFL was in the offseason was to either finally say yes, it's happening. This is the year for Atlantic. The schooners or, or not. Get it done. Yeah. Uh point three. Point three. Point three, fix the operations cap. Yep. We talked about that already. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Three simple things. But TSN needs to do justice to this league. And I say justice because they've done so shit during the off seasons. Yes. And it's not like we we talked about it last week with um with uh Darren. Who was our guest? Thank you. Darren last week that's they did a good job for Grey Cup. They had 10 Amazing. plus hours over the weekends. But why can't you do an hour a week? An hour the a month. Season? In the, there's you know news why? happening. I don't know if you could do it. I don't know if you could. You, we couldn't. We couldn't talk an hour about the CFL. And the, I mean, today me, we could. But give me an, Give me an hour a week. Hell yeah, we could talking and where I can go and talk to experts and talk to the teams and talk to ownership and have insights. These insiders talk to people. True enough. True enough. Cause there's, there's a lot of there's trades going to be happening. There's going to be a there's lot of meetings timing. going on right now there. The NFL does it perfectly. I hate to be like the NFL is a media machine in comparison to anything yes. else, but the off season, you know what they're talking about on ESPN and on Fox sports it's not hockey, it's baseball, it's basketball, and it's NFL. Those are the three things that are constant because the baseball season never bloody ends. <laughs> and football season is, it's off season, it's training camp, it's regular season, it's playoffs, it's off season. And I mean, I talked to Rod um, from the Rod Peterson show on a regular basis, who's now living down in, um, Del in I was going to say Dallas, in Boca Raton, Florida, and he says, Kevin, it's insane when you can turn the TV on and I, it doesn't matter what time of day you have a show talking about the NFL. It's all day, 24 hours a day. They're talking and it's live. We, we don't even have that NFL. here. In, we don't even have that here in Canada for hockey. No, no. But we have it for the NFL. Literally, you can turn on your TV at two o'clock in the afternoon and on whether it be the NFL Network, whether it be Fox Sports, if you get it, or TSN or Sportsnet, someone is live talking about football. Yes. But, I mean, our sports stations in Canada compared to the sports stations in the States suck. Like, I looked at five stations the other day, and they all had Sports Center reruns for like eight hours straight. Five stations. Maybe it was four. Not usually five. TSN one through five. It was Sports Center. Sports Center. Sports one after another for eight hours. So I'm like, what? What? Are they, what? What could possibly could they be talking about? So no, I no, turned it on. They just repeat the. They repeat the same thing for an hour. 
It is. It's so interesting. I listened to it and then I went and did like watched another show and came back and I thought, I'm going to see what this second hour is. It's the same as the first hour. Yeah, no. The third I hour? Think, same as the I third hour. Fall, I used to fall asleep to it where back when, before Jay and Dan blew up and then went their separate ways because Bell is a terrible organization. Um, they, like literally, I would watch it, fall asleep to it and I'd wake up and it would be the same repeat eight hours later. It, like, there's so much more that could be done. Put our show on. Put the Rod Peterson show on. Put it on. We'll give it to you. you. Got- TSN. Here's a... Call us. We'll give you one hour of uh, free. Every week, you'll have one hour. We won't charge you. Put us on at three in the, three in the morning. I don't care. God is my witness. We will give you it. And we'll stop swearing. If that means we have to stop swearing and, and pause for commercial breaks, even in our live broadcast to Facebook, where we're like, and this is where a commercial would be and stand there awkwardly for a second. I'll do that. I don't care. We're going to, you would be on national TV. You know, the, 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 the reach that you have with something like that. You have five channels, five channels. And you know what you play four of those channels sports center on the fifth channel. You're we're, we're watching tennis reruns from 1902 or pickleball. Okay, well, you know what, pickleball. I'm hearing there's a there's a there's a there's a pro pickleball. I believe pickleball. I believe it's entering the Olympics soon. Pickleball is the new is the new thing, man. Um, I was actually going to talk to you off screen about this, but I think we should start incorporating more no more, more pickleball into our show. Um, uh, just because uh, it's apparently really it's it's the next big thing. We talk about the BC Lions. We talk about the <laughs> CFL, and we talk about the Vancouver. That's what we agreed to. The I'm Vancouver. not even allowed to talk about wrestling. You told me. Well, we could. We we throw in references here and there. That's all we need. A lot of people not happy tonight. Yeah. I'm kind of looking forward to it. I haven't looked me forward too. to a Raw in a long, long time. <laughs> me too. And with that being said, I think we have run out of sports talk when it comes to the Vancouver Canucks, BC Lions, and the CFL. Um, you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, <coughs> TikTok, at HSB underscore pod. You can find the old man on Twitter at Kev Hughes. Nope. Kevin Hughes 64. Wow, that was hard for me to get out Kev of my head. Kev Hughes 64. Kev Hughes 64. You need to change that. Change that. Fix it. That's your one task for this week. Change that. Either change it to the old, at, at the old man, at old man <coughs> underscore HSP. Change it to Kev Valley. Channeling. Whatever you want to change it to. Just, just needs to change. It's a bad handle. You can find me. I am on Twitter at jstreams, J-E-H streams. You'll also see me this week live on Twitter. Or on Twitch, uh, YouTube, Kick. I'll be streaming on Tuesday and Wednesday this week. Back to my normal stream schedule. And until next week, I will see you, beautiful humans. Mwah. Goodbye.